0: All right, we're getting ready for this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this should be a good one.
0: It's going to be rich. (laughs) I hope so. Welcome
2: to the Redwood Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about Gemini Man. I'm here with John Flores. Hey, and Gabo Murcia. Yo.
0: John, what did you think about this movie? Well, 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 I think we're going to (laughs) have an interesting conversation about this film. Uh, You know, if I start with something that I think the film, the film did connect with me in one way. As I was watching it, I started thinking of the work of the poet Bertolt Brecht. And he has this great poem that I'll just paraphrase here where a man is speaking to a general, And he says to him, Your planes are so powerful, your bombers, your tanks are so powerful, but they have a defect. They need drivers, they need mechanics. And you have a lot of soldiers and men, but they have the greatest defect of all, which is they can think. And so as I watched this film, I thought of that poem and how powerful that poem was when I first came across it and how much it led me to learn more about the German left in the context of the rise of fascism in Germany. That all said, in terms of Gemini, man, I mean, is this a morality tale about soldiers who should have the autonomy or the right to refuse immoral orders? I'm not really sure it is. Is it a criticism of private military companies? Is it a criticism of the CIA, of the DOD? Mm, I'm not sure it is. <laughs> is it a thriller? Interesting. I, okay. I, I mean, is it a thriller? I wasn't on the edge of my seat. <laughs> is, it, is it an action film? Well, I think Ang Lee fails in terms of action as well. So overall, this is one of those films that I sometimes say it's too clever by half. It's just not that good of a film. It just really isn't that good of a film. What about you guys? What'd you think?
2: I just want to say I'm really impressed that you're you're
0: connecting Gemini Man to
2: poetry. That's not how I was expecting this <laughs> podcast to start. What did you think, Gabo?
1: Yeah, I think I have a more positive image of the movie than, than John. <laughs> I did see it as a critique of the military industrial complex. I, I guess what I would want to start off is more of a question for you guys, because what I felt watching it was very much a throwback to a genre of movie that I felt like I kind of grew up with. I think that's probably best represented by like the Bourne films, where you have these action spy thrillers where a guy can do amazing things with guns and martial arts and they're taking down bad guys. And it felt so similar to those that I'm wondering, did those films also have these elements of critique of the CIA, critique of the military industrial complex? Uh, Because I feel like I was probably watching them as I was growing up and I really wasn't noticing them. Whereas I just watched Gemini Man now with a different, hopefully more mature politics. And that kind of just jumps out at me. If anything, I think it's almost too heavy handed the way that it's pointing out how awful the privatization of warfare is.
2: I I did see that, but I I thought it was less like an homage to those films than a poor imitation of those movies. The sort of created in a lab assassin, the secretive element of the CIA that is part of the CIA, but it isn't isn't something that people are uh, doesn't have any accountability basically. an element within the CIA that doesn't actually report to the normal sort of governmental checks that that the regular CIA does or all of that to me felt <laughs> very familiar and, and frankly too familiar, I guess for me. I felt like it was pretty much the same move, just not quite as good. <laughs> no, not not
1: quite as good as whats movie that you're referring to there.
2: as the born movies, I guess. Okay, okay. I mean, particularly the, the first one, the born identity, I think is
1: maybe we should do some episodes on those because I haven't done a rewatch of them since being a teenager.
2: I think that they're pretty good. Well, I don't really know about the second and third one. I think that the first one is a pretty interesting critique. However much, say, members of the political class actually have in American foreign policy, CIA interventions and all of that, I, I think they're a pretty interesting critique, the, the Bourne movies, of the way that that there is a real distance between that and like the supposed you know, ideals of... American democracy, um, they, they do a good job of showing that, that extreme distance. I, I don't really know if that's quite as present in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's clear that this movie has that similar problem that Children of Men, that we pointed out last time, which is that it doesn't really get into the causes for why you need such an advanced military apparatus. Like, what, who is this military protecting and to whose benefit? Yeah. So it, it definitely also has that fault in terms of its politics. I mean, let
0: me raise a question with you guys. You're suggesting this is a criticism of private military yeah. companies, the CIA, et cetera, the DOD. Let's talk about this for a second. What we have here is a bad private military company that is villainous, that is acting in a very clearly immoral way but I don't see this movie criticizing private military companies. I don't see this movie suggesting that the CIA, the DOD are actually problematic. If we start with the first hit in the movie, the assassination of the so-called biotech terrorist, the idea is Will Smith feels he's been wronged because he's been lied to in terms of assassinating a biotech terrorist. The idea is not that biotech terrorists shouldn't be assassinated and should in fact be arrested, right. tried in a court. where right. we might learn that those biotech terrorists work with tech companies in maybe the United States and Great Britain and other countries to produce products to make a lot of money. We might learn more about its connections with other industries. That's not what's being discussed. Instead, it's, it's the sense that the problem here is Will Smith, his character. Henry Brogan. Henry as a patriot has been <laughs> lied to by not only his own agency, but this secret deep state agency that's within the CIA and DOD that is actually the rogue element. So the CIA and the DOD going around assassinating people, that's not problematic. And the framework that we're doing this all to protect lives, not to protect profits, that's not analyzed in any way. In other words, the real problem is a real bad apple. And that is depicted to us in the embodiment of Clive Owen's character, Clay and the Gemini private military company that he represents. But presumably, there are good private military companies out there that aren't as villainous as Clay's company. So break this down for me, guys. Where's the criticism here?
1: Yeah, I think, where are you gathering that it's presuming there are good military companies? Like, what in the film is telling you this is just one bad apple?
0: That the CIA is working closely with his company, and the CIA is not depicted... No, but I mean, but, but uh, and I understand that. That's how we get
1: that this is one bad apple. But you're implying it's not a criticism of the military industrial complex because it implies the existence of other good apples. So, and maybe I'm just forgetting,
0: but where does, it, where does it imply the existence of those good apples? My assumption is that the CIA in the film is not only working with one private military company. And maybe that's what is being depicted to us, but I don't think that we're supposed to take that from this. I think what we're supposed to take from it is that Clay's company is a bad company, not that that the DOD in all of its agencies doesn't have other private contractor liaisons with other companies and other soldiers and et cetera. So what I'm saying here is this is not a structural systemic criticism of the CIA DOD and its liaisons to non-government entities. It's more like one government entity is the bad one. And I don't think the film conveys to me that the problem was that the government decided to partner with a private military company. That's not what I feel the film is criticizing at all. The film is not criticizing the public-private partnership between public military agencies and private military agencies. It is criticizing the particular one that Clay represents, which is depicted to us as a villainous agency.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to say that's the strongest critique, but to me, like I did read that as a critique because my takeaway wasn't that there are other good apples. My takeaway was the, the U.S. government works with Blackwater and Blackwater, you can say was one bad apple and that bad apple did a lot of bad stuff in the Middle East. And I think it's indicative of a rotten system. I think sometimes focusing on a, on a bad apple doesn't just distract or confuse viewers, I think it can sometimes get people to ask broader questions. Because even if you avoid the, the broader structural questions that should be asked that John is pointing out, the fact that the CIA is willing to work with Gemini, with such a morally awful company, it shows where their values are. If they're willing to work with them. They're willing to work with anybody. And they have no high ground to stand and say, we have to go into Venezuela because they're committing human rights abuses. In this world, they're creating clones to assassinate people. And again, I'm not saying this movie's not without faults. There are some issues. I wish it did get into more of those structural critiques you're talking about, John, but I don't think it's a defense of the industry.
0: I think the, to the extent to which your comments are making it out to seem. Let me ask you, Gabe, then this yeah. question. If you're saying it's not a defense, clearly the CIA or the DOD, whatever branch it is, that's Partnering with the Gemini company, they're Gemini's employer. Right. And so you're saying it's not a defense, but there's no criticism of the objectives of the CIA or the DOD, correct? There's no criticism that assassination no. shouldn't take place or that our entry into Iraq, which is where Clay became friends with Henry. Yeah. I don't think they mentioned Fallujah. I forget what place. They they mentioned (laughs) one of the most infamous assaults when they talk about where they met. Clay describes seeing Henry in action in Iraq, a country we invaded, as we would all agree, under the pretext that they had weapons of mass destruction when they never did, in a country that has huge oil reserves and borders countries with huge oil reserves. So that there's no criticism of our involvement in the third world in this film. There's no criticism of the objectives of the CIA. Unless you guys see them. Let's say we even draw the conclusion that the film conveys the CIA should not be partnering with private military companies. But the objectives of the CIA that are being depicted to us and legitimized then would continue with CIA operatives as opposed to Gemini operatives. Unless we're seeing that in severing the tie between Gemini company and the CIA, that would mean the CIA would restructure it, would change its objectives. Because I don't think the film implies that. So, That's why I'm saying, is it not a defense of the employer of the Gemini company, of the CIA and the DOD? I think it's a critique of the privatization of the military industrial
1: complex. I think I agree with you that it doesn't critique the CIA or the DOD, and I wish that it did. But I think with so many issues, like you can look at our prison system, immigration, a lot of awful things are taking place The way our capital system incentivizes people to do by incentivizing people to make a buck on on it, whether it be child immigrants or assassinating people in the Middle East, there's money to be made there. Gemini is the example we see in this movie. Blackwater is an example we see in real life. I should know the names off the top of my head of the companies profiting off immigration detention centers. And I think we should have films that critique that dynamic. But I agree with you, John, that if we got rid of that dynamic, the problem wouldn't be solved because- The solution to that is not for then. okay, only public servants should be deporting children. Okay, only public servants should be ordering drone strikes and assassinating people. No, obviously not. We're opposed to it unequivocally in all forms. But I think this is kind of the way that our system is currently perpetuating itself. And I think there's value to exploring, portraying, critiquing that dynamic of privatization and the way that privatization shapes people. Because as I look for good things about this film, I think that is one thing it does well.
2: This movie really made me think about the conflict over private prisons and the way that the narrative around imprisonment in the United States and mass incarceration, the criticism of mass incarceration came to be so centered around the idea of the prison industrial complex and private prisons, people making money off of prisoners, that it ended up deflecting from the fact that private prisons represent a very small number of people imprisoned in the United States, and they aren't really reflective of the problem at large. So this movie, I think I mostly agree with Gabe, and I believe that it's not a single bad apple kind of story, and it is a little bit of a broader critique of private military companies. And I think the most direct moment that points to this in the film is when Henry is talking to Yuri, the Russian guy in like the bathhouse, and Yuri sort of slips in when he's talking about Gemini as a whole, he, he refers to it being less profitable or the alternative being less profitable. To me, that was the only explicit critique of private defense contractors. But it was there. And and to me, that is a critique of private defense contractors at large. And yet that's not really the problem, is it? Absolutely. Private defense contractors are awful, but it feels like it's focusing on one relatively small piece of the problem in a way that deflects from the issue at large.
0: Tear into it. Keep going, John. Keep roasting this. <laughs> let me yeah, let me tear into the film from a different angle. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah. See if I can connect some of what you all are saying to where I do see some points of connection in our interpretations. What's interesting about the film, and I thought a lot about this because this is Ang Lee, who's directing this. And he's an interesting director of films for Def- me because definitely. I love Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I love that film. I really was moved by Brokeback Mountain, a very powerful film. But anytime he's tried to do sci-fi films, I feel he always bombs. So when he did Hulk with Eric Bana in like 2003, 2004, that was probably one of the worst (laughs) Hulk superhero movies I'd ever seen. I couldn't believe how horrific that movie was. And yet Eric Bana is a pretty good actor and could do some interesting things. And Yet that movie was just so bad. And there were things about it that made it bad that I see makes Gemini Man bad as well. But what I would say that's positive about the film and somewhat connects to what both of you are saying, but I still, I don't think, I don't know how persuaded I am. (laughs) Still not buying it. (laughs) But it connects to it is, and this is going to be me going out on a limb here. What I was most moved by when I watched Gemini Man was I actually felt what I sense when I watch a good horror movie. And what I mean by that is what makes classic horror like H.P. Lovecraft horror, what makes Stephen King at his best, like the Bachman books, like stories like The Boogeyman, what make them horror, from my perspective, is they make you feel you have no agency. That is, there's something monstrous happening that you cannot stop, that you cannot stop with collective action. You cannot stop with individual action that you can't overcome. And therefore, you're just going to die or you're going to die miserably or in some horrible way. But it's not about being grotesque, which is where I feel horror has gone with the special effects abilities that have gone into filmmaking. That is, it's more about the sense of, of dealing with dread, a dread, as you just said, Gabe, that's so overwhelming that you can't stop this. And what I felt in this movie was, wow, Will Smith has just been, his humanity has been so violated by the very agency and country that he devoted himself to. And they've taken his genetic material to produce soldier clones with it to carry on endless wars. There's something so horrific about that. And all I kept thinking when I saw that was based on some of the people who have led our CIA, Bush Sr., based on some of the comments Mike Pompeo made, based on some of the comments that we see these heads of state make, if they could clone somebody who had natural, incredible gifts as a soldier, would they do it? I think they would. I think they would do it. I don't think I think I don't think they have a moral compass stopping them from going in these extreme inhumane directions. They've proven that. They have a long track record of going in very inhumane directions. That is where I do see a broader criticism of the DOD that it will go too far, that it will act in incredibly inhumane ways as evidenced by the fact that they've illegally, inhumanely, and definitely immorally cloned cloned Henry multiple times. I think it's going to be a common theme
1: through our podcast, this idea of movies that we like, but we also want to be critical of. And I think why I'm being more favorable towards this film, maybe I'm just a contrarian at heart, but I feel like this is a film where people weren't pointing out, oh, look, Will Smith made a movie criticizing the military industrial complex. How cool. I think what people were saying at the time was, wow, Will Smith made a weird and bad action movie, (laughs) but I think speaks to its faults. But it's a a movie people saw. So I want to be able to connect with those people and say, hey, like, look, isn't this interesting what this film was talking about? Isn't this something that's happening in real life? I guess I'm just saying this because I'm being quite positive about, about this film. And I don't want someone to say, well, like, how can you be more positive about Gemini Man than Parasite? You know, some other more classically leftist film. And I don't think it's that exactly. I think it's looking for the good politics in films that otherwise ignored for those aspects. And so, yeah, I think John... We, what you're saying is spot on about the dread and that's what I was mentioning earlier about the privatization of military industrial complex and how that impacts us as people because part of I think my cynicism and dread that I'm feeling right now is not only is what we're witnessing in our world so awful it's something that I feel like it's taking away from a future that is very much in peril I think a lot of people are asking like do we want to have kids how are we going to think about like our grandkids when we're not even sure if there's going to be habitable, this is kind of like stuff that doesn't make you feel good. And this is what we see happening to Will Smith in this movie. They're not taking away his kids, they're taking his DNA and turning into this cold blooded assassin who has no emotion. That's bad as is. Then he finds out at the end, it's not just one, they're doing it to hundreds and hundreds. So I, I think I did connect with that and how I think myself and a lot of other people are feeling in this moment.
0: I think what I hear you articulating is that even when this man is given everything, to his country and these agencies, they're still using him. He's disposable to them and it's terrible. But I have to say linking this to one of the themes in the film, which is, is this a morality tale about soldiers who should be able to refuse orders? I think the film once again does a poor job of this and in fact plays it both ways where Mm -hmm. we learn that Clay is trying to create not just super soldiers, but super soldiers who turning this back to Brecht can't think. Soldiers who can't say no to immoral orders. That is what Clay wants to create from his perspective. That is actually a true perfect soldier, one who cannot think. And yet at the same time, the hero of the film, Henry, Will Smith, is not a character who seems to be questioning any of the orders that the DOD or CIA, whatever agency he reports to, he doesn't question the orders he's given. If he's told to go to Iraq, he's going to Iraq for good reasons, because we are a good democratic republic. If he's asked to go to Somalia, he's going. If he's asked to go to Venezuela, Colombia, he's going to go wherever they send him. In other words, the film sets this up as though we should see that Clay's motive to create soldiers who can't think is horrific, but yet the main protagonist in the film is not critical of the orders he's ever given. Is a soldier who can't think. <laughs> Yet he hasn't been created in, in a lab. Right. Can't think, As you said it, that's what we have before us. That's where I think the film is falling short. Yeah, I think it's exactly, it, it, it falls short. <laughs> and
1: I, I think we should be clear about where, where it does that.
2: This movie has a CIA hitman ask why they didn't clone Nelson Mandela. <laughs> What on earth is happening in this movie? Like that's that to me is like the number one point. I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Like, you 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 understand this person is smart enough and knowledgeable enough to understand why cloning Nelson Mandela might be a good idea, and yet also thinks that the people who cloned the super soldier assassin might have chosen instead to claw someone they tried possess Mandela. <laughs> right? like that, that makes no fucking sense. And I just can't I, I, I couldn't figure out what it was trying to do. And I felt like that moment perfectly summed it up. Yeah that <laughs> what do you think that tells us about what Angley imagined this film was going to do.
1: So my response to that is as a, a member of the fraternity of procrastinators, I empathize with the screenwriters. You can have good intentions. You can want to criticize the privatization of the military industrial complex, but sometimes you forgot that you told Angley you're going get, to get her a script by Friday at close of business. And now it's Friday morning and you got to turn something in because, yeah, there, there are a bunch of moments like that where you just think, what's going on with the dialogue here?
0: Before we transition to another topic, I want to slam dunk right now, a boom (laughs) shakalaka moment, which which is speaking directly to what Davis raised for us. I have my take, which is that cloning people is not really the problem. It's who we're cloning. That private security companies aren't really the problem. It's Clay's Gemini company that's the problem. And the CIA and the DOD, they're not really the problem. It's who's in charge of them. So we need to clone. We need to clone Nelson Mandela. We need to cl- maybe against his will, maybe without him
1: knowing. We need to- That's definitely what that line implies. There's no way around that. But I do think that most people. Let's hope they have
2: some genetic material.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'd clone Barack Obama first. Um, <laughs> he'd write four more books. He'd
0: yeah. write three more books that we'd have to that we'd be reading.
1: Oh man. Uh, we're we gonna do without those books, <laughs> these hypothetical Obama memoirs. Uh, I'm just broken over the fact that they'll never come to be. What I will say about Gemini Min is, is I don't think the general takeaway is we're just cloning the wrong people. I, I think enough is given to the well. <laughs> no, I I, <laughs> I think if you look at the 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 I'm not I'm just searching for the word I want that I want to use to describe the existential crisis. Junior deals with whatever that was, to me, it was it was clear that this isn't how we want to be using our technology.
2: I mean, I think you're right, but I also think that the film finishes in a place where it's pro-junior, anti the particular kind of clone that doesn't feel fear or whatever. You know what I mean? Like and I'm not saying we should be like D oh, no. junior just because yeah. he's a clone, but like he ends up being kind of the the no. redemption arc character, right? Like
1: everything positive I've said about this film is within the context the last scene does not exist. So I've just totally, <laughs> <laughs> I've just totally erased that. <laughs> I don't even know what happened in it. I just, uh, that's, I should have that warning to all listeners. This. The last scene does not exist. That, that was awful and I can't defend or explain it.
0: <laughs> is there something else we should talk about? Do we want to discuss the action scenes, the style? The- I think the, the
1: substance that we've been talking about is more interesting than that, than those stylistic things. And it's always appreciate when we focus on that. But to talk about those stylistic things very briefly, one of the reasons I'm partial to this film is because it's a rare time I got to see one of the greatest cities, if not the greatest city in the world, one of my favorites, Cartagena, Colombia on the big screen. As
2: we're watching, Elizabeth goes, is this why Gabe picked the movie?
0: <laughs>
1: that fair that's fair <laughs> i think i follow will smith on on instagram and i didn't realize he was filming gemini man but i remember a few years ago he just starts posting all these videos in colombia like him learning how to dance salsa and eating arepas and empanadas and I was like, oh this is so cool he's like learning spanish
2: and everything
1: so yeah th- that was cool to see colombia
2: nice i mean i'll say i thought the the bike chase scene was really cool. I thought that was the highlight of the movie. And then at one point, Junior hit the front brake on the bike and turned it around and hit Will Smith in the face with the back tire. And it, it went too far for me, but I did think the bike scene was fun.
0: <laughs> oh, I was so disappointed by all of that. I just felt once again, uh, angly- because you're, you're you're the martial arts expert,
1: uh, <laughs> John. So we, we should kind of defer to you on this
0: one. I mean, I mean, Ang Lee made Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and he chose not to CGI that and to use wire work to do the magical realism-like, in-the-air acrobatic fighting that they did in that film, but also their on-the-ground swordplay and martial artwork was choreographed in a very complex way. Whenever I see action in films, I appreciate films that use choreography, and what I saw in this film was nonstop, ridiculous, cartoonish CGI fights taking place when when junior used the motorcycle as a whip to <laughs> baton him across the, I mean these are I mean we're talking now this is a cartoon this is a joke this is not and the thing about this is there are people who might say well this all has to do with money but did you guys see the Marvel Punisher or Marvel Daredevil runs on Netflix I didn't they're incredibly no. well choreographed for the Punisher series I'm not sure who did the MMA choreography in that, but it's incredible. And so if Netflix did that for its series with Daredevil and with The Punisher, Ang Lee didn't have the budget to hire a choreographer to do some interesting things here. The only one scene that stood out is a scene where Will Smith, which by the way, Will Smith in this is pretty much dead shot from the DC universe. He's not only a skilled shooter, he's like um, he's like inhuman in his ability. Yeah, he's like yeah. Superman.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> yeah.
0: That in itself is already getting into the, the silly aspects of the movie. But there's a scene where he does fight the junior without a conscious. And it is well done where he ends up aiming at him and shoots him in all of his limbs as that evil junior is trying to attack him. So in very quick succession with a lot of precision. Will Smith shoots him in the leg, the arm in the hand, and it looked great, but you didn't see that throughout the film. And when I saw that, that stood out to me. I said, wow. So here we have a nice, tightly choreographed fight scene, and yet that isn't what we see throughout it, which made me think, Ang Lee, are you like, phoning the rest of it in? Are you just like, have the motorcycles hit each other, have them jump around each other? He's, it's almost like you're not investing in something that would make the film an action thriller because the film is sold to us as an action thriller. And yet, it could have been reshoots, but it also could
1: have been, and I've, i curious about this, H- how meta we want to get here. The movie is about how we shouldn't just develop technology for technology's sake. Just because Boston Dynamics can create a killer robot dog doesn't mean that it should, just the way Gemini shouldn't create a clone assassin just because it could. So maybe Angley is saying, okay, now I can do 120 frames per second CGI, motorcycles flying, but as a message to other filmmakers, just because we can, doesn't mean we could, because look, like maybe there's like some meta, I don't know if you guys know about Ang Lee, and maybe he's kind of a troll in this way, but um, that could be another explanation for it. Maybe that's what he was going for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, but.
2: (laughs) Gabe, what have you been, uh watching or enjoying lately? Oh,
1: um, I think for, for this one, I'm actually going to say something that I've been doing, you guys know that, you know, play tennis while well, I was that Case. I really enjoy that sport. And I had no idea. I did not know that another sport existed called paddle. Paddle, I would describe in the most simplest terms as cage tennis doubles cage tennis. You're in a mini tennis court with glass (laughs) walls, and it's probably the second most popular sport in Spain after soccer. Paddle players are more well-known than the tennis players. And it's something that I don't think I was at fault for not knowing didn't exist because I don't think it is played at all in the States. So since since our last episode, I've started playing that with some friends here and I've just totally fallen in love with it. It's like this cool, fun version of tennis where you can hit the ball off walls and do kind of more fun, crazy stuff than, than in the normal version. Uh, so that that's kind of been my cool, fun thing that I've been up to. And I would encourage people if you are at all interested in racket sports or tennis to look up some paddle top 10 paddle points on YouTube or, or whatever, because it's pretty cool.
2: It seems cool. It seems, it seems like maybe it makes tennis a little more accessible, like in the same way that indoor soccer, maybe, maybe it has a, a high level of mastery, but kind of like a low level of entry.
1: That's exactly it. Because you're not having to chase balls. Like if mm-hmm. I if I take someone who's never played tennis before to the courts, we're gonna spend half the time going to get the ball that was hit over the fence, mm-hmm. right? And the, the one real skill in it is the volley, which I'm lucky enough to be like, that's my strength in regular tennis. It's just that simple reflex stroke. So yeah, and that's I think that's why it's so popular. It's probably the second most popular sport to watch. Like Rafael Nadal is still more famous than the um, Juan LeBron, but it's definitely the second most played sport, but everybody plays it. And I think it's exactly because it has that lower skill entry point you're talking
2: about. Did you just say that the best paddle player it's, is named LeBron?
1: No, it's something out of a family guy <laughs> skit. Like I, I it's one of the ones where like the world uh screenwriters just wrote it in. It's like, what should we call the uh, number one Spanish athlete for their sport? I, I don't know, Juan Lebron. Like <laughs> 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 because yeah, that that's his name. That's
2: <laughs> incredible.
0: <laughs> what about you guys? I've been uh, reading Vijay Prashad's Washington Bullets, which fits with what we've watched here, which is, it's a history of the CIA coups and assassinations from the 50s to the 2019 ouster of Evo Morales. Morales, the former president of Bolivia, who was unjustly overthrown in a US-supported coup, writes a commentary at the start of the book. And he has... Away With Words, where he writes, quote, this book brings to mind the infinite instances in which Washington bullets have shattered hope, end quote. And uh, it's a powerful short read, which I highly recommend, Washington Bullets. Davis, what about you? What have you been doing?
2: Well, my thing for this week is also connected to the, the film we just talked about, although in a very, very different way than John's book. I recently watched Face Off for the first time. Have y'all seen Face Off?
0: I haven't. Unfortunately.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) I'm not a fan. (laughs) So it is obviously also an action film. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredible. Wait a minute. So now
1: you have standards for your dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my
2: Lord. You've got to watch this movie and and break the tie, I guess. Yeah, right. For me, Face Off did right everything that Gemini Man did wrong, despite the fact that it shares a lot of similarities. Interesting. Like, I mean, at one point- check it out. At one point, this movie Wait, has somebody no. jump off of a oil rig or uh, something, I can't even remember, into the ocean. And I swear there are like 16 camera cuts of the fall <laughs> down into the ocean. It is that shit insane. <laughs> Nick Cage and John Travolta are both overacting so hard. It's, it, I mean, it is just truly insane. And yet, so fun to watch. In, in the way that for me, Gemini Man was just like boring and I couldn't get over the the bad dialogue and stuff. Face Off is like the opposite. I I was just completely into it for every moment. So that's my uh, recommendation for for uh,
1: this one. Without watch, because I didn't watch it, I went to the wiki, and the wiki says, uh, following Joe Biden's victory, an anonymous post on 4chan proposed a conspiracy theory influenced by the plot of face-off. The plot speculated that Donald Trump had surgically swapped faces with Biden,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: such that Biden's inauguration would actually be the beginning of Trump's de facto second term. Oh, my.
2: Well, oh, my. It, I mean, it does, it, this is another way that they relate, actually. Elizabeth and I have been talking about this with a bunch of these movies we've been watching lately, like, would the technology in this movie fundamentally break society? You know, like, would everything collapse if this thing was true? And I think that cloning people is probably a yes, just like I think that taking someone's face and putting it on someone else's body basically breaks everything. <laughs> I, I think I think if I think if that technology exists and people know that it exists, society basically ceases to it exist just falls apart know, because it's just like everything is fucked at that point. Like we, we have no idea what's real and what's not and, and you know you just everything collapses. So hopefully that's not Joe Biden's situation, I guess.
1: Hopefully it- <laughs> Hopefully that scenario doesn't happen without the introduction of those technologies either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I think that's a pod. It's that's a, a wrap, That's <laughs> <podcasts. laughs> I've heard
2: some cool music, like you haven't heard, you know. Crowd rock in a long time. When was the last time you heard Japanese jazz? Did you know there was Japanese jazz? You probably thought it was Japanese
0: karaoke. No, there is Japanese jazz, and one of the hottest Japanese jazz groups is called Pistol Jazz, which is kind of what attracted me to. You
2: know, I come across a name like that, I said, come on, I got to listen to these guys' music. Pistol Jazz.